You're listening to Two Girls, One Crossword. I'm, I have a butt pillow now for my chair. Like an old, I'm pretty sure my grandpa had the same one. Oh my God. It's really life-changing. Who is she? I was my... getting like a, a pressure point on my lower back from sitting so much. Yeah. It changes the game. And you have back issues baseline. So it's like. Yeah. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll bring it over when we hang out. We can Ooh. take a test ride. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So funny you should say this because my dad has a butt pillow that he takes with him <laughs> everywhere. So we, you know, I went and I stayed with my dad for a week um, in New Jersey and we were a couple days in his house in New Jersey and then we drove down the shore for a week and had a house like on the beach, right? And mm-hmm. he brought it with him because he can't sit without it. And every time anybody went to sit in that specific chair, they sat on to be like, what, why do you use this? And like, I understand why someone would use that, but it does take some getting used to, you know, because first of all, it like elevates you a little bit. So it changes it your perspective. And then sometimes depending on which ones you get, they can be a little bit higher in the back area than the front, you know, just to help depending. Yeah. I mean, I almost took it on a plane for Thanksgiving, <laughs> but I didn't because it was like, I don't like to, I didn't want to bring it into the airport raw and have it like touch everything. And raw dog everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm, but then right. didn't put it in my backpack. And I didn't like, I have to get a separate travel one, I think. At that point, yeah, you need one that you can bring with you to travel. But I'm driving up from my parents' place um, in December and it's like, should Ooh. I bring the pillow with me for a long drive? Anyways, you know what you could do? What I'm thinking about. What you could do, not to like make things more complicated, buy another one, ship one to your parents, and just then have, to have it be it in a car. Have it be a car seat. Yeah, I need an actual car seat, like a children's one. Yeah, she does. She likes to be strapped a- in. <laughs> a booster seat. Anyone mm. out there? If you are shorter than average height, do you use a booster? Because I don't know how you're five one sitting. Okay, sorry, I don't want to offend anyone, but I feel like <laughs> cars. Well, this is a- another problem. Safety in cars is. Like dummy car test dummies are like modeled after male bodies. Yeah, if you're five feet tall. Is it safe to to be behind a wheel without any like additions? That's a great question. I mean, I know a lot of like newer cars, you can adjust wheel height, which is really nice. Yeah, but even so, like we have to sit so close to the steering wheel, which you shouldn't be doing. I know, I know. So, someone who knows more about that, let, let me us know. know. We just worry about these things. We worry about you, listeners. We really do. I do worry. You have no idea what I worry <laughs> She's about. She's so stressed all the time. <laughs> She's. St- I can see her sweating right now. She's like, she can't stop thinking about. She I like wake up list. in the middle of the night and I'm like, but cars aren't safe. <laughs> anyway, um, anyway. Is your car welcome, safe? Welcome, everyone. Welcome. I was thinking we could call people keepers. Of- <laughs> no, I hate this, but keepers of curiosity. <laughs> <laughs> um. Do you also hate this, listeners, if we called you the keepers of curiosity? I kind of really hate it. <laughs> yeah. It's like keepers of the keys and grounds at Hogwarts, you know? Keepers of the keys and grounds at Hogwarts. Keepers of the curiosities. <laughs> you have to say it with that voice, too. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll talk about it. Let us know. We'll, we'll do a poll. <laughs> uh but welcome back everyone we're the good evening girls this is two girls one crossword your favorite weekly podword crosscast i'm grace topinka and i'm chelsea rowan and we may not have been weekly recently but it is the end of the year the holiday season if you Mm -hmm. will and i will uh so we just need to like have a couple weeks where we keep you on your toes where we don't release an episode we stress you out a little bit we make you you worry for once 
you basically can't rely on us until 2022 at this point. Seriously. And who knows what 2022 will bring. Who knows? We'll be different then. We had high hopes for 2020 and look where that brought us. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> I know. I think of the New Year's Eve party I went to for 2020. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. We had no what idea. What was coming. Nope. Even though COVID already existed by then, we were all just idiots like, oh, it's not going to affect us. Exactly. Yeah. I was watching the TikToks from China get censored. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> Wake Typical up, sheeple. Americans. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Anyways. Well, hey. Should we get into our <laughs> Polapaliza? Polapaliza. Let's do it, kid. Polapaliza. Don't mind if I do. So we asked our Twitter followers. Follow us on Twitter if you want to participate in the polls at the Good Eve Girls. And we asked, <laughs> your friend catches your eye from across a crowded room. You want to be a little goofy. What's your move? Because if you remember last episode, I talked about hand gestures. Mm. So options were the peace sign, okay. the middle finger, if you're feeling spicy, finger guns, and the classic wave. But a okay. wave, you can, you know, switch it up. You can do it like under the chin wave type thing. I, er, Okay, so in number one with 53% of the votes was finger guns. Okay, I feel like the way you worded the poll lent to this winning. Because you think it's the goofiest? Because I think it's the goofiest, but I feel like it also is based on your personality. Like, personally, it depends on how I'm feeling. Like, if I'm feeling spicy goofy, I'm going to give you the middle finger for sure. Because... yeah. I'm just that type of person. You are. But my typical goofy is the double peace. peace. I chose peace sign. So, okay. So second place with 20% was the middle finger. So okay. people agree with you. And then final two, 14% was the classic wave and 13% was peace sign. So that was actually the least. Wow. Wave. But I feel like I did. That's my go-to too. Or like if someone's taking a picture of me. Yes. It's I a feel rollover, like... I think, from MySpace days. And I also think... It had a major resurgence, like, in 2018 as, like, mm-hmm. the hand symbol people used in photos. Like, I feel like everybody in our demographic, people we know. It's from MySpace. Don't you remember MySpace? It was, like, from a really high up angle and it'd be the peace sign and the duck lips. Of course. Yes. But, like, um, this was huge. Remember? Yeah. So, no, look at me. Look at me. You have to be on YouTube. Yes, yes. If you're on YouTube, you'll see. That's like, I feel like Lady Gaga did that. Yeah. Who who knows? We might be, I don't know, aging ourselves or something, but. Well, Well, okay. So I guess our goofy, goofy listeners are (laughs) like finger guns. You did an episode on the peace sign, didn't you? The V sign? I did. The V sign. Yes. Um, Or did I, did I do a whole thing on the V sign? Yeah, you did. It was an episode. Oh, okay. See, I, it's been so long. It's hard to remember. It comes in one ear out the other. <laughs> By the way, we should be writing trivia as we go for each topic. That way, at the end of like when we do another trivia thing, it won't be like we go back and find trivia stuff. You know, that's a great. Yeah, maybe like every ten we'll like write trivia. Or okay. Something. Anyway, perfect. All right. Sorry. You know, we love to talk about logistics. We like to do our housekeeping <laughs> <everyone>. on air. <laughs> this is the only time we actually talk to each other. So it is. I never see her otherwise. I don't even know what her real name is um hilarious speaking of real names should we move into our hits and shits yeah that that segue (laughs) made sense segues don't need to make sense they just need to segue you know what i'm saying that's true they can and it got the job done it did so thank you 
And I got I got a little smile from Grace. That's all that matters. Um, That's what keeps her going. A tiny smile. (laughs) (laughs) That's my anxieties. That's what I wake up every night thinking like, when can I get her to smile? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll start off. Uh, I got some like housekeeping good news type things. Uh, Good news. Uh, we haven't She's done like dead. like cross world news in a while, but I felt like now with end of year things rolling around and people posting a lot on Twitter and me finally like going back on Twitter. I I go in waves on Twitter, and that's where like yeah. all the cross world news happens. And so I miss a lot of news if I'm like not on regularly. But I've been on recently, and I picked up some news that I wanted to share with folks. Um, the American Values Club crossword is expanding. Grace and I haven't done an AVX crossword in a while. But I think we let our subscription lapse. We did. We didn't resubscribe. It's true. But this is going to change. It's all changing. So if you don't, if you're a new listener and you're not familiar with AVX or American Values Club Crossword, they are an independent puzzle outlet that's been putting out puzzles weekly since 2006. They used to be part of The Onion, but then in like 2012, they went independent. Um, and so they're completely run independently. It's it's a really good outlet. They have some awesome puzzles there. Great instructors, etc. Anyway. They're expanding. Essentially, they're expanding to have four new editing teams to have four new weekly features. And the features will be an additional regular crossword, a cryptic crossword, one or two MIDI puzzles. So like a regular puzzle is like 15 by 15 and a MIDI is going to be, I guess, like 11 by 11 ish, Mm -hmm. like that kind of size. Um, And then uh, there will also be a trivia game each weekend, which I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, the features will be solvable on their new website. They're getting a new website, so yay. Um, and then 5% of all of their revenue for the new features will be donated to charities as the editors see fit, which is really cool as well. Uh, some constructor, The constructors that are going to be involved, so the people that are doing the classic crossword are Sid Sivakumar, Max Carpenter, Kiera Vasquez, and Christopher Adams. The cryptic puzzle will be edited by Francis Heaney, Stella Zawatowski, and Claire Muscat. The MIDI puzzle will be Enrique Henestroza, Aguiano, Brooke Husick, and Chris Puma. And then trivia will be from Amy Lucido, Deb Coker, and Guy Tabaknik. Tabaknik? Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. Um, anyway, so if you're interested in helping them expand, they are running a Kickstarter until January 6th. Uh, as of recording right now, they have hit 60% of their goal. Um, but if you'd like to donate, you can head over to our Twitter where we're going to retweet the Kickstarter. Uh, you can also just Google AVCX expansion Kickstarter. And um, we can link it in the episode details. Too. We can link it in the episode details. So, yeah, that's really anything. exciting for them. We donated. Um, and that's and with our donation, Grace, I believe we get a year subscription. Ooh, so. ooh, lur, lur. Lur. I'm excited. No, yes. I always liked the those crosswords. I found that I think what made it easier for us to not renew the subscription is because that was one of the puzzles that we would print out and do together at work. That's true. And but I think we can har- do them on a cross light, though. I think we can. You're right. Okay. And um, so, you know, when we went remote. And we started doing puzzles digitally and puzzles alone. It kind of um, limited the number of puzzles we did weekly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I felt more restricted in terms of how many puzzles that I could do. Because at work, you would print – sometimes we would print like four puzzles, bring them out to lunch. Yeah. Well, and people then, would be like vultures would get ma- – accuse us of mm. hoarding puzzles even though they could they could print their own puzzles. Exactly. Anyway, can't get into this. But Anyway, we can't. But so – yeah, now I'm lucky if I get to do two puzzles a day, and that's, like, a lot. Yeah. 
I also find it's easier with an app that does that like releases the puzzle every day because it's extremely yeah. lazy, but we'll make it work. Mm. I have more housekeeping crossword news. Should I do that before we get into yes. the puzzles? Okay. Yes. The next piece is uh, Incubator Crosswords, another independent puzzle outlet that Grace and I have talked about in the past, but we haven't done their puzzles more recently because, again, we let the subscription lapse. Anyway, they are releasing a puzzle book, which is really exciting. Uh, if you're not familiar with incubator crosswords, they are crossword puzzles by women, cis women, trans women, and women aligned constructors. The book is called 100 Audacious Puzzles by Women and Non-Binary Creators by Tracy Bennett, Laura uh, Bronstein, Juliana Golden, and Stella Zalatowski. Um, and then I'll just read you the, like the little blurb from the publisher's website. <clears throat> Join the crossword, uh, sorry, join the crossword revolution. Indie crossword favorite, the incubator has launched, was launched to embrace a diverse community of constructors long underrepresented in the mainstream puzzle world. These immensely engaging grids from women and women aligned puzzle writers are fun, relatable, and often surprising with clever original clues that speak our language. You can pre-order it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, and then there's also some indie places you can get it from as well. So can't wait to pre-order that. It's going to be awesome and i'm very happy for them so that's kind of exciting that is cool i wonder if we could get it from our local bookstore Ooh, we should see um i think it's just pre-order right now but i'm sure yeah. that you know but i wonder a- if they you can order through that if you can order through barnes and nobles Ooh. um we'll, we'll look into it i always like to say incubator puzzles made by women for women but that's my tagline that's not theirs <laughs> grace wrote that for free <laughs> um <laughs> I just don't know if they aligned with that message. But, you know, instead of black squares, they're pink. There you um, go. Yeah, much more delicate lines <laughs> for our little delicate eyes. Our delicate little hands. <laughs> Women-only clues. You have to print them out on scented paper. Yes, of course. And then spritz them with a little bit of your perfume, as, mm-hmm. of course. Um, yeah, so that, that's my cross-world news for the day. Wow. Thank you. That's what I got. Why don't you? Why don't you take us somewhere else? Okay, I can go into our heights and shites. Okay. Um, did you do the Sunday, November twenty eighth, Waypo Washington Post called "What's Wrong with This Picture" by Evan I did Bernholz. not. So there were pictures as clues, like hmm. legit pictures. Um, and the like when you start doing the puzzle, it says each picture in this puzzle has one wrong letter in its answer. The wrong letters spell out someone who needs to fix the pictures. When you change them to the right letters, they spell out that person's task. So wild. There were a lot oh, of different pictures. So an example, God. one across was a picture of a green crab and a blue crab. So two crabs, but they're like weird colors. And the answer that filled in was grabs with a G. So basically the G replaced the C in crabs and the G is what fit for the clue going down, which was the haunting dancer, painter, Severini, Gino. Okay. So there's a bunch of them. Like there was a first place medal, um, but it was green. And the answer that it in the, in the grid was goad instead of gold, placed the L with the A. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so there's a bunch of those. And if you like all the letters that... Um, should have been like the c in crab it got changed to grab if you took all of those letters out it spelled color correction damn because all the pictures were a weird color and then if you replaced those letters with the letters that filled it in so for example crabs got replaced by grabs so if you replaced the c with g and did that for all of them you would get graphic designer 
So it's like the Holy. graphic designer needs to do color correction to fix it. So it was really fun. Wow. Um, Holy yeah. shit. And that was by Evan, of course. Yes. Um, it was fun. And it was cool to see. I don't know how it would have been printed out. I'm not really sure. Because it's like in color. So like they yeah. had Ernie from Sesame Street, but he's green. Oh, okay. Like that. So anyways, that was a fun puzzle. I'd never really seen that before. I'd never seen, like sometimes you see tiny little graphics. I've never or seen, emojis. Like, Sometimes I put bigger... like an emoji in or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I've never seen that before. And uh, I've noticed sometimes with the Washington Post, they'll like put a little note, be like, it would be better if you printed this. It's better on paper. But I've never yeah. seen one where it's like, you should probably not print it and just do it online. So that's interesting. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it would have looked like if you had printed it. But anyways, yeah, I enjoyed that. So wow. Shout out to Evan. Shout out. Um. I just want to say, like, this last week I was with my family, um, and my family are, like, big, nerdy, game-type people in mm-hmm. various respects. Like, one of my brothers is a huge Twitch gamer. He loves that. He like, goes to TwitchCon, like, all that kind of stuff. My other brother, he was, like, on this varsity chess team. He's, like, super nerdy with chess and, like, reads all the books and whatever. Uh, my dad loves cards and chess and board games, and I'm more of, like, word puzzles and board games. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. what I love. Um so when you get us all together, we're just doing, we're playing games literally from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. That's just who we are. Um, and I got my youngest brother who's into chess and his girlfriend to do a lot of crosswords. Um, I basically just gave them my computer and they sat and did all the Monday puzzles that they could possibly get through. Mm-hmm. And it was really fun to watch them like get better as the week went on. Um, yeah. And it's also interesting to think like they would be really hung up on certain things that I'm just like, it's so easy. And I just, I'm like, this is the answer and teaching them about like crosswordies and like there's some answers they'd be like well, well why is it that and i'm like it's just it's crosswordies it just is, it just is. that was us in the office we'd be someone be like maybe it's this and we're both like no i <laughs> <laughs> like we hate to be like that yeah. but like the more you do it the more you realize um and i got both of my brothers to download the usa today crossword app and they've been doing <gasps> them like religiously so that's been a lot of fun um that's good and so most of my puzzle doing this week was secondhand, like over mm-hmm. their shoulders, like teaching them how to do the puzzle and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, so I'll just get through some of the things that I liked. Uh, the Friday, November 26th, New York Times by Kate Hawkins. Uh, I liked the clue for six, do one across, going from 99 to 100, say. And the answer was rounding up. That's just a fun little yeah. clue and answer. And then 67 across, experts in English, question mark. And the answer was pool sharks. And I was like, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, And of course, now I was like, am I going to do pool for my topic? And I almost did it. And then I started like looking into it. And I was like, okay, this is a little, pool's really dense. So I don't know if <laughs> I can do this yeah. topic. But what I learned, this is one of those like, thanks for teaching me moments in the crossword. English is a version of billiards. It's like a specific type of game, mm-hmm. I think that you can play but i also think it's like what potentially english people call billiards english billiards or something anyway and so in order to be an expert in english you would be a pool shark if you were an expert in yes anyway all right so well we have plenty of listeners from england let us we know. do we do i i learned that billiards i feel like they call it billiards because it sounds fancy well Grace, 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 Grace. Q sports is the umbrella term. And then under uh-huh. that is pool, billiards, 
English, potentially. English. There's like Russian something. Or, there's just so many things. And I was like, I'm like, I can't. I can't do this today. Anyway, so you didn't get a topic on billiards today, folks. Not today. But a curiosity has been flamed anyway. So, yeah, that was that was fun. Um, and that's what I had from that puzzle. Do you want to go? Sure. The Tuesday, November 30th, New York Times by Billy Uska. Mm-hmm. Speaking of learning things, 64 across, donuts, topologically. Yes. Tori, T-O-R-I. Yes. I didn't know what this was, and so I looked it up, and it is a geometry, a torus, plural, tori, colloquially a donut, is a surface of revolution generated by revolving a circle in a three-dimensional space about an axis that is a coplanar with the circle, i.e. a donut shaped. I'm like, so, okay. I didn't know that. But that now works for mathematicians. It. it works for me. <laughs> um, put that up there. Slip that in conversation. You're welcome. Got it. Eleven down. Noted mausoleum site. Uh, Agra. The, Agra, because that's where the Taj Mahal is. Yes, which we know now is a tomb, not just a. Maybe a lot of people know that, and we're just idiots. But yeah. I learned that from when you did the topic on it. Yes, I got to teach my brother that this weekend because. He was like, what's Agra? And I was like, well, that's where the Taj Mahal is. Like, Ugh, it's obviously like, where the Taj Mahal is. And I love like, to Gah. act like we're so smart, even though we just learned something. <laughs> uh, 45 down, where you might bump, in, bump into a metal fan. I love this. Mosh pit. Yeah, fun. That one was good. That's all the ones I have from that puzzle. Speaking of learning from that puzzle, 60 across, Finland's largest company by revenue. The answer was Nokia. I didn't realize that was a Finnish company. Good for Is you. Nokia even around still? I don't know. They, Apparently don't for Finland make, it might be. No, maybe they do make phones. I don't know. That was my Who first knows. phone. Yeah, I can't remember. I definitely think I had a Nokia at one point. Um, I like the theme from that puzzle. Uh, it was basically like punny phrases that were related to different types of games. And speaking of my last week, we played so many games. Like it was actually beautiful weather down on the Jersey Shore. We got to go on the beach. We played um uh bocce ball we flew a kite you know like all types of stuff out on the beach so it was fun anyway you working so, for jersey tourism board yeah let's go down to the jersey shore no um but maybe okay so basically plenty of phrases related to games uh so 20 across sign outside a strategio tournament question mark the answer was capture the flag uh 48 across sign outside a taboo tournament don't say a word 56 across, sign outside a dominoes tournament, uh, connect the dots. And all these clues had question marks. So it's just like, you know, they're just funny mm-hmm. to me. No, I thought they were funny too. I like those. <laughs> what else? What else? Should I? Uh, okay, I'll go. I'll go again. I'll okay. go again. Okay. Monday, November 29th, New York Times by Enrique Henestroza Aguiano. I just liked this. This is one of those fun, like, learn about things. 39 across, classic doll with shaving fun and mod hair versions. And the answer was Ken. Oh, right. I had a shaving Ken doll. Did you? Yes, but it wasn't hair. It was just like a dye on his, like as a beard, and it would come off with like cold water. Right, exactly. I feel like I had something like that as well. Why did I, at like eight years old, need to be doing that? I don't know. No, the question. (laughs) Shaving a grown man's beard? Um, Hmm, interesting. Uh. Grace had a topic on Barbie a long time ago. I think it was like the blue-eyed monster, the same topic where I did Loch Ness Loch Monster. Ness. Yeah. Well, it's a good topic. My, I have a niece who's like four, and my mom's neighbors brought over all these old Barbies, and there was like three extremely buff Ken dolls that were naked, and I was like, 
<laughs> why are they so why? buff? <laughs> and like, why? It looked like a YMCA ad. I was oh like, my God. does she need to be playing with these? I feel like, I mean, whatever. Kids don't like, you know, realize that that's weird. But like, I feel weird giving this to her. These yeah. like buff men. Yeah. And anyway, I had the Ken and who's the little Ken? The baby? Tommy. The- Tommy, I had one of each of them, and they were beach themed. And I got uh, Ken's sandal stuck on my finger. My dad had to cut it off with pliers. I really wanted a Tommy to like because I had all the little like Kelly and all her friends. She's not Kelly anymore; she's a different name. But mm. um, he, I only had it was like only a Christmas one was available. So he was wearing a snowman outfit, and that's the <laughs> only clothing I ever had for him. <laughs> the kids don't care. They, they just don't care. Look around it in their brain S- for sure. All right, what else? What else you got? Um, I liked Thursday, December 2nd, New York Times by Rebecca Goldstein. Mm. 35 down, something that's impossible to run by yourself. A oh, relay race. This? Yes. Learned this German physician who coined the term animal magnetism. Mesmer. I'm guessing where mesmerized comes from. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, this is like dumb B award to me. 33. <laughs> I don't know why this like looks so weird to me. 33 across rejections. And the answer was no's, but it's spelled N-O-E-S. I guess that is the plural of no. I guess you're right. I hate it though. Um, also learned something. 23 down, place to hang a mezuzah. So oh. I do know what that is. That's a Jewish thing. It's like a charm that you put in your doorway for like good luck or safety. Mm-hmm. And I was like so confused at what it could be. I had A M B and it's jam, like a door yes. jam. But I didn't realize mm-hmm. it was spelled like that. The same way oh. lamb is spelled. Yeah. So that was just me being dumb. I I um, didn't know what it, that was, but I had the A M B in, and so I figured it had to be hung something that's hung in a door. So it was like or a doorway. So I was like, it's got to be jam. But I don't yeah. know what this thing is. So I don't take me. anything for safety. <laughs> I will too. Let me know. Uh, did you do the Saturday, November 27th New York I Times didn't. by Trenton Charleston? This is a good one. There's some fun like wordplay and like tricky cluing. I just love when the constructors do this and it pays off. I don't like when it's too confusing. I'm like, I'm like uh, what? Uh, mm-hmm. But I thought this paid off really well. Uh, 34 across the book of numbers, yellow pages. Oh, smart. Okay. Yes. This was a good one. This stumped us for a while. 46 across, something outstanding in its field. Not outstanding, outspace standing. So out there mm-hmm. standing in its field. A bovine? You would think it's like a cow or like a scarecrow. It was stalk, like a stalk of something growing in a field. Oh, but I just I like see. love when the clue is kind of like that, that it can be mm-hmm. tricky. Um, yeah. This stumped us for a while. 49 across. Head of Hogwarts? Question mark. And the Here answer the was Lou. L-O-O. Head oh, being right. bathroom. Lou being bathroom. Yeah. Can we just all decide on one word for bathroom? I, I, I know. All the English-speaking countries. I know. Uh, 15 down. Rather inclined. And it was steep. Cute. Which is cute. And then I learned something new. 24 down, the world's most visited city, 20 million plus travelers annually, and it's Bangkok. Why'd you say it that way? What did I say it like? You put a lot of emphasis on the second syllable. Bangkok? (laughs) Yeah, is it Bangkok? (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe the, the first I don't know. Att- you can- <laughs> the first attempt of me putting a, that stress on that syllable was completely subliminal. <laughs> All right. Bangkok. How do you how do you say it? <laughs> Bangkok. Bangkok. You're like Bangkok. 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 Okay, there we go. Anyway, it. we're done. We're done. You're done. How do you say it, listeners? <laughs> Record a voice. Freudian recording. slip. I don't know. Um, I've seen that tweet that's like, why do they call it a restroom when I'm fighting for my life in there? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, we should not be calling it restroom. Anyways. No. <clears throat> okay, I'll end with the I liked the Friday, December third, New York Times by Claire Rimkus. We're recording that on Thursday, so I don't know if this is allowed. Oh, okay. It's, Let's okay. do it. So I, I, I accept. This should have been included next week. But 31 down, pet that's mostly black with a white chest. Tuxedo cat. <gasps> cute. I just thought it was cute. Three down, play with fire. Tempt fate. I just Ooh. liked that. For you, 42 down, its participants are in for a wild ride. Rodeo. A rodeo. Yes. 46 down, not cool. Not cool at all. With exclamation point. Hot. Warm. <laughs> nice. Um, and then this one I didn't know, or this one confused me. One down, challenge while sitting. And I filled it out as brat because that's like what filled in with the acrosses. And then I looked it up. I was like, oh, yeah, babysitting. Oh, yeah. I was confused. Okay. It all came together. So Got it. Got it. I enjoyed that one. Very good. I can't wait to do it. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Claire. I guess that means, are we time? Is it time to go into the, the coin toss? Toss it, baby. All right, kids. Buckle in. Gonna be a bumpy ride. I'm flipping the coin now. It's tails. Woo! Sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> I swear I have nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's fine. My topic is from the Friday, November 26th puzzle by Kate Hawkins. Is this you? I did this puzzle, yeah. 16 Across. Nope. Best-selling heavy metal band named for a torture device. Iron Maiden. Correct. So I'm going to talk about medieval torture devices. Ooh, okay. I was thinking about doing this, but I was like, I don't know if I can, I don't know if this passes the breakfast test. (laughs) Well. Not that I care. Yeah. (laughs) Is that something that we're worried about? No. Okay. Let's do it. Because my Let's topic comes from it. this this puzzle as well. And I think it is something Grace would have done. Anyway. I saw another topic when I was doing puzzles. I was like, oh, that would have been good. But I'd already done my research. So. All right. Um, the Middle Ages, a.k.a. Medieval Times, Ooh. refers to the period of European history from the collapse of the Roman civilization in the 5th century to the period of the Renaissance, which was 13th, 14th, 15th century, depending on where you're looking. Mm. So basically the 1,000 years between 500 and 1,500. The Dark Ages. Is that what they call it? as well yes retrospectively they called it the dark ages um it was a time of castles and farming 90 percent of the european population were rural peasants children had a 50 percent survival rate beyond age one and typically started contributing to the family around age 12 so not the best times it's also when um the black death happened I just Mm -hmm. finished a pot like a five-part series from last podcast and I left about the black death and holy shit I learned so much, and it is so much worse than I ever thought it was. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. you think, like, oh, it was bad, like, really bad. But, like, it was, like, much worse than that. Anyway. imagine. So, yeah, that's what's just, that's the backdrop of all of this. That's the vibe. (laughs) I won't be talking about the Black Death, but 
just get that in your head. But let's talk about some popular medieval torture devices that you've probably heard of. If you look on a list in like Google, like most, you know, like most popular or the Mm -hmm. like craziest medieval torture devices, these will come up. I went to a medieval torture device museum in Siena, Italy. Was it Siena? It was either Siena or Luca. I can't remember, Mm -hmm. but I went to one. And let me just tell you. (laughs) Okay. Well, we're wild. Hold on to that thought. Oh. Wait till the end of the topic. Okay. So <clears throat> the Iron Maiden, this is the one that was used in the clue. Um, so I'm just going to describe them. It's an enclosed structure, kind of like a sarcophagus, which is lined with spikes. So when someone is put inside, they would close the door and spikes would completely surround them. Sometimes the spikes would go inside them or it would be like just so close, closely surrounding them that if they moved a little bit, they would get impaled by spikes. So they would be stuck in there for hours or days standing and if they moved a muscle you know, they'd be done. Hmm. Next on the list, the pair of anguish. Uh, kind of trigger warning for this one. For uh, It's all violent, so. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> this is a pear-shaped item with a latch at its tip, and when the latch is triggered, the item springs open, so the pear expands. The idea is that this device could be inserted into a person's mouth or vagina or butt and then opened up slowly and painfully. Oh, Next up, God. the brazen bull. <clears throat> bull, sorry. I know I, I have a trouble with that word. A large hollow bronze bull with a door on the side. A person could be put inside the bull and then a fire is lit underneath until the person inside roasts to death. The screams are funneled through an acoustic device to make it sound like the bull is bellowing. Next. I'm sorry, this is disgusting. <laughs> We're Definitely does not pass the, 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 no. the breakfast test. Next is the rack. It's a table that stretches a person from their ankles and wrists until their limbs get pulled out of their sockets or torn off. I feel like this is probably the one that's most shown in movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the pillory, a.k.a. the stocks. That's where a person's head and arms are locked up in that wooden plank thing and they're brutally beaten. Mm-hmm. And then and you're last, like left in like the town square, and people can like spit and throw and pee on you and stuff. It's great. Exactly. Um, and last up, chastity belts. Women wore locked undergarments to ensure their faithfulness, while their husbands were off on crusades. But before you freak out, what if I told you that these devices weren't really medieval, and maybe not even real at all? Mm, I feel like, like maybe I've heard they weren't this. even used for torture. That torture in the Middle Ages has been greatly misrepresented, not only in films, but in actual torture museums as well. <gasps> so, let's revisit some of our devices. And okay. most of this information is from an article on talesoftimesforgotten.com called okay. Why Most So-Called Medieval Torture Devices Are Fake by Spencer McDaniel. Ooh. So, forget everything you think you know about the Iron Maiden. Let's it's go gone. back to that one. It's That's gone. the cabinet with the spikes. According to this article... There is no evidence that Iron Maidens existed prior to the 19th century, and there is no evidence that any Iron Maiden has ever been used as a real torture device. So, the earliest known record of the Iron Maiden comes from a Nuremberg guidebook written in the 1700s by German philosopher Johann Philipp Seibenkes, where he claims that it was used in 1515 to execute a coin forager. This account is now known to be fake, 
but that didn't stop a hoax Iron Maiden from being created and displayed in the city of Nuremberg in 1802. Ooh. Other phony Iron Maidens were created in the early 19th century by con artists who basically charged people to come look at real-life medieval torture devices, and there was even one dis- on display at the World's Fair in Chicago in 1893. Ooh. But the fact is, historians have not been able to find a surviving Iron Maiden dating earlier than the 1800s. Ooh. Way after medieval. Yeah. Or Middle Ages ended. All right. The Pair of Anguish. This one is brutal, and um, this is displayed in a lot of torture museums. It's the one that slowly expands after being mm-hmm. put in some someone's orifice. So Australian historian Chris Bishop did a lot of research into the Pair of Anguish, and found that they didn't start appearing until the middle of the 19th century, mm. again, centuries after the Middle Ages had ended. There have been references to pair-like to a pair-like device used by a well-known criminal in Paris in the 17th century used to gag his victims, but that's about it. That's like the only reference you can find to something like that. But even if it, they did exist, they wouldn't have worked like torture devices. Tests have been done on them to show that the springs would be too weak to open if they were inside of something. Mm. Furthermore, the way the latch is designed would make it impossible to open if it's inside something because the latch is on the part that goes inside. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Bishop has theories of what else it could have been used for instead. Quote, one could imagine them as surgical instruments, some sort of speculum, perhaps, or a device for levering open the mouth in order that a dentist might operate. Then they could just as easily be shoe extenders or sock stretchers or glove wideners. Right. <laughs> but we've re- rewritten history. Okay. Right, the brazen bull. This is the bronze bull that cooks people. Mm. This comes up a lot on lists of medieval devices, and it really does. Like when I was doing research, first I was getting all these lists of medieval torture devices. Then I looked up like the truth about medieval torture devices and went down a rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> okay, so this is the bull thing, but there's nothing that links this bull to the Middle Ages. It actually goes back to a legend from ancient Greece. Ooh. So according to the legend, the bull was created by invent inventor Perilos of Athens as a gift for the tyrant ruler Valeris. Um, Perilous the inventor was killed in it, according to this legend. It was first mentioned by Greek lyric poet Indoros of Thebes, but he wasn't even born until long after Valeris died, and it didn't get written about in detail until years later in Sikilito's book, The Universal History. So many historians mm. believe that the brazen bull never existed at all, that it was just a legend. But if it did exist, it definitely wasn't in the Middle Ages. Ah, okay. All right, moving on to the rack, which has been immortalized in films like Braveheart and The Princess Bride. That's a stretching like, rack. Yeah, I feel like in of all of them, I felt like this was the most real, but I don't know if it actually is. So... <clears throat> This rack does exist. There is one on display at the Tower of London, and there's a reference to one being there in the year 1447. However, there's no other evidence other than this one rack that these existed during the Middle Ages. Mm. And 1447 is, like, very late. So it was probably, if the Tower of London only had one, it was probably very uncommon if used at all. Mm-hmm. So Okay. It's not like everyone was getting stretched to death in the Middle Ages. Okay. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. The pillory, a.k.a. the stocks. So these did exist, but they weren't used to inflict pain. They were more so used to humiliate criminals. Mm. For example, in medieval London, bakers who sold fake bread, which I don't even know what that would be, would be locked up in front of everyone and they would burn the fake bread underneath their noses. So it was just like humiliation, sore muscles and smoke inhalation. And then women who had to go in the pillory were often allowed to sit on a stool when they were locked up. 
Okay. So that did exist, and that is torturous, but not as... It's not like the Iron Maiden or the Bull. (laughs) Speaking of women, what about chastity belts? Albrecht Klassen, author of The Medieval Chastity Belt, A Myth-Making Process, told Time magazine that the the devices were first mentioned um, in a treatise on siege machines written by German engineer Konrad Kaiser in 1405. And the concept of a chastity belt appeared in the afterword of this, and they were just kind of a joke. It became a popular subject of satire. Klassen writes, quote, No author of sermon literature, of penitentiary texts, or didactic and legal writers has ever mentioned the chastity belt, probably because already the basic idea behind it defies the basic needs of the human female body. So basically, it's like, there's no way that a woman could have even worn a chastity belt. That's not how it works. Mm Mm-hmm. Leslie Smith, a late 16th century historian and curator for the Tutbury Castle in the UK, wrote in an article, quote, I have traveled abroad and looked at art collections and, as yet, haven't seen a chastity belt that can be proved to be medieval in origin. Oh, okay. So, why is it commonly believed that people in the Middle Ages use barbaric, painful torture devices on the regular? Is it because we want to distance our own inclination to violence and torture by categorizing it as something from the distant past? Are we obsessed with paint- painting ancient society as barbaric and uncivilized? This is especially during, like, once the Renaissance happened, everyone was like, oh, yeah, everyone who lived in the Middle Ages was, you know, barbaric and barbaric idiots. and dumb in a sheeple and just like, you know, mm-hmm. God, pressured under dogma. <clears throat> um, it's the same reason why a lot of people still think that have this idea that medieval people thought the earth was flat, even though historians agree that most understood that it was spherical. Mm hmm. I don't have an answer to these questions, so. <laughs> She's just posing them. Yeah, those are just, so, you know, that's just how, how we are as humans, right? We right. always want to look back and be like, well, we're better. we would never do anything like that. That's like medieval. Right, and it's like, okay, but what about all the torture that actually happens, like sanctioned under multiple states in the world, Yeah, you know? <laughs> have we gotten, are we worse than people mm. were in the Middle Ages? Or have humans always been like this? bad? I don't know. I can't answer that question. We can't answer that question on this podcast. We don't have the time, nor do we have the money. Nor do we have the answer. We just don't have the answer, first and foremost. So that's so-called medieval torture devices. I feel like I had heard that before, that they weren't all real. Like, that's not to say that, like, you know, in order to, like, get confessions from people, they weren't violent towards prisoners, Mm -hmm. because they definitely were, in the same way that, like, today... People are violent towards various prisoners and torture them um, to get confessions. Not that it's legal, but it does happen. Um, But yeah, I don't think, you know, they're using the Iron Maiden on people today. I mean, I don't think they are. Yeah. Well, what does it say that people were like, you know, after the Middle Ages invented this torture device and were like, oh, yeah, people back then were doing this like super gruesome thing where you would be impaled by spikes like you're the one who thought of that and made that up maybe something's wrong with you right it's like the like a morbid fascination with violence or something like that and we're also just like to show that you know you're so lucky that we're not as barbaric like yeah we might be a little bit barbaric we might be a little bit violent but we're not as bad as it used to be you know yeah like be grateful that you're not locked in an iron maiden right now i'm just pulling out your fingernails you know (laughs) (laughs) um Ouch. Um, yeah, so that's fun. That's that. There is the reason why I 
wanted to do this was because I wish I had found her name. I don't think I liked the video. There is a girl on TikTok who's a historian, like, specifically about the Middle Ages, and she has made TikToks on this. Like, mm. she'd be like, all of this, like, was not medieval at all. This didn't even exist right. during that time. Yeah. Um, you can find history side of TikTok, and it's amazing. I would yeah. encourage you to, if you're interested in that kind of thing. TikTok like isn't it's just so funny great, videos. Because there's all these people that are, like, experts on topics, and, like... I don't know, maybe that's on us. I wouldn't necessarily go around to try and find like uh information on medieval times, but the fact that they can they have a place where they can like talk about things that they really know a lot about and are passionate about and it's like a bunch of people who otherwise would never see that information can see it and interact with it. Exactly. Like so cool. uh the girl from or the woman from Wisconsin who does all the lake videos. Lake talk, yeah. Lake talk. And I I've never been curious or like, you know, sought out information about lakes mm -hmm. but whenever she's up on my my for you page i'm like i'm stopping and i'm listening to this three minute minute video <laughs> about this lake this random lake and i learned so much it's amazing yeah. thank you for all that you do um cool shall we move on yeah your turn all right so my topic also comes from the friday november 26th new york times by kate hawkins so did the pool sharks clue which i was also going to do as my own topic so mm. This Kate Hawkins puzzle was really just slamming us with potential yeah. topics. Shout out to Kate. You're giving us a lot of good. Uh... You love to see it. Sometimes it's hard to pick a topic, but we had a lot yeah. in this puzzle alone. Okay. Mine is 50 across blank Yaga folklore villain. And the oh. answer is Baba. So Baba Yaga folklore villain. Are you familiar with Baba Yaga at all? I am not. <gasps> you're going to love. You're going to love this. I know you will. Um, okay. So we're talking about Baba Yaga today. Uh, she is a figure in Slavic folklore. A lot of people just say Russian, but it's Slavic. So it's mm -hmm. not just Russia. Um, my first introduction to Slavic folklore was a book called Deathless by Catherine M. Valenti. It's essentially like a, it's a fiction novel, but it's an alternative history novel that uh, combines the Russian fairy tale, The Death of Koshi the Deathless which I'll talk a little bit about later, with mm -hmm. the events of the Russian Revolution. So it kind of combines them. And Baba Yaga is a big figure in that Russian fairy tale about Koshi the Deathless. Um, and if you find yourself intrigued by Russian folklore or fairy tales after this topic, I would also recommend the Winter Night Trilogy by Catherine Arden. It's a young adult novel, but it's just incredible. Um, and it's uh, the first book is called The Bear and the Nightingale. It's set in like Russia... Uh, maybe during the 16 or 1700s. Uh, and it's this family lives in the woods uh, there. And it's just interesting. So remember the Ruxala? I think you talked about that as like, like a mermaid type creature mm -hmm. that like lives in the waters. That's like a made like, creature that's in this trilogy. Um, okay. Anyway, so I learned a lot about Russian, Russian folklore fairy tales. from these books. And so that's why I'm familiar with Baba Yaga. And I think you will like her as like a character after we talk about her. Okay. So, uh, let's get into her. The clue suggests that she is a fairy tale or a folklore villain. According to Britannica, Baba Yaga is an ogress who steals, cooks, and eats her victims, usually children. Uh, but this definition only really scratches the surface of who she is within Russian folklore. Um, nevertheless, we'll go through some of the basics about her, and then we'll kind of, like, turn it on its head. Uh, so, like I said, Britannica describes her as an ogress, but other places will first call her a witch, a wild old woman, a mistress of magic, and a forest spirit. So, she sounds fucking badass, mm -hmm. right? I, um, I would too. 
The name Baba Yaga is composed of two elements, Baba, which is widely agreed to be shorthand for babushka, which Mm -hmm. basically means older woman or um, grandmother in Slavic languages. And then Yaga has a more complicated, like, definition. No one scholar really, no two scholars really agree on what this could mean. There are two definitions that I could find that were regularly brought up. The -hmm. first being that Yaga is a diminutive form of the Slavic name Yadviga. Um, so basically it's just like Grandma Yadwiga is what it would be, essentially. Like exactly. Um, and then Yaga might also come from the old Russian word Yagat, which means to abuse or to find fault. Hmm. Um, she is almost always described as having an unnaturally long nose, sometimes said to stretch to the ceiling when she sleeps. She also has iron teeth. Um, she's also said to have skin, like, she's also to be, like, skin and bones, so, like, Mm -hmm. very, very thin, um, despite her voracious appetite, uh, they often called her bony-legged. Despite being all skin and bones, she is still huge, so, like, when you enter her hut, she, like, fills the entire hut, so even though Mm -hmm. she's tiny, she's, like, really big, uh, when you enter her hut, she might find her sleeping on top of an, an enormous cooking stove that stretches from one end of the hut to the other, so she, like, sleeps along the top of it, so she's, like, this massive witch. Thing. really skinny though okay um, sounds terrifying <laughs> yes speaking of her hut baba yaga lives in a log cabin or a hut in the forest the hut sits atop chicken legs and is continuously spinning her hut has no windows and door or a door with a key so her hut has no windows but sometimes it has a door with a keyhole and the keyhole has metal teeth but often mm-hmm. there's no door at all uh, so how would you get inside you'd basically have to go up to the the house uh and you have to say a magical phrase and then the house will reveal the door and the magical phrase is turn your back to the forest your front to me and then the door would appear um while and it's her, spinning while it's spinning on chicken legs mm-hmm. um something i found that was interesting is that um i think for us in like western culture like, the idea of, like, a house sitting up top on, like, chicken legs is – we've never seen that before. It kind of sounds like a treehouse in a way. Mm-hmm. But in um, Eastern European or Slavic cultures, there are uh, – they used to – like, nomadic people used to build huts sitting on top of tree stumps. Uh, and then they would only have a door and they would, like, keep food in there uh, to dry out for the winter. Or sometimes they would have – um like uh, altars to their gods in there and you'd mm-hmm. have to like bring your own ladder to get in it's not like they a ladder was built into it it would just mm-hmm. be you'd like walk in the forest and then you'd see this hut on top of these tree stumps and there's no way to get up there unless like you have a ladder so it's like not unheard of that mm-hmm. this kind of hut existed and that baba yaga lived in it what makes it uh, magical is the fact that it was chicken legs and it was spinning constantly mm-hmm. in a circle so <laughs> imagine like the that. gravitron exactly um So then her hut is also surrounded by a fence made up of human bones with Mm -hmm. a skull perched along each of the fence posts as a way to, like, ward off people. Mm -hmm. That would work. Uh, Baba Yaga can fly. She sits inside a mortal and uses a pestle as her oar, uh, propelling herself forward. And sometimes, like, in certain stories, it creates storms like her flying is what creates the storms mm-hmm. um uh, she also uses a silver birch broom to brush away her trail as she goes so no one can follow her interesting very much so so she sounds like a pretty ominous figure 
And sometimes parents might uh, have used her as a way to frighten children into good behavior or to not wander too far from the house. Like if you live close to the forest, you don't want your kids like wandering into the forest and dying. So they'd be like, don't go in there, but you'll find Baba Yaga and she'll eat you. We talked about that when we talked about why so many cultures have a version of like Yeti and Bigfoot. It was like a way to keep kids safe, basically. Keep your kids inside the house, essentially. You have to make up some monster. You have to. The they won't man. listen to you otherwise. Exactly. Kids, they just need to be scared shitless. And that's parenting advice from me. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so, uh, yeah. So she's a pretty ominous figure, but Babiaga is much more complicated than simply like a villain. Um, her characterization across fairy tales is ambiguous, to say the least. In a single story, uh, she may be represented as a maternal figure, uh, Mother Nature an evil villain, and even a benefactor. So she might be one of those things in a story, but she might be all of those things in a story as well. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, In some tales, she's connected to three mysterious riders, one white, which represents day, one red, which represents sun, and one black, which represents night. And she will explain about the riders if you ask her politely. And because she has these riders and she controls these riders, uh, that's why people think of her as Mother Nature, because she brings the night, the sun, and the day, which is interesting. Um, She may be represented as a forest spirit who leads hosts of spirits or even a companion of death on his travels, devouring newly released souls. Um, But most importantly uh, is that she varies between either a helper or a hinderer. Uh, There are stories where she helps people with their quest and uh, stories in which she kidnaps children and threatens to eat them. Sometimes she does both in a single story. Uh, Seeking out her aid is usually portrayed as a dangerous act. uh, And then there's an emphasis uh, placed on the need for proper preparation and purity of spirit, essentially basic politeness before you can find Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga is not someone who leaves her house to provoke things. Baba Yaga Mm -hmm. stays in her hut and only leaves when provoked. So she's going to be in her hut. And if you come up to her hut and you're like, yo, biatch, like, give me these things, she's going to shove you into her oven and eat you. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. However, if you come up and you're like really polite, she may be like, all right, I'll help you, but you have to do these three things for me first. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do the three things, then she's going to eat you. But if you finish them, then she's like, okay, here's your help. I mean, you're making a deal. You got to hold up your end of the bargain. If you want her help, I mean, that's part of it. It's part of it. You came to her house, her spinning chicken leg hut house. That's on you. That's on you. Anyway, uh, nevertheless, it is clear that Baba Yaga, like I said, never goes anywhere. She doesn't go after anyone unprovoked. um, And whatever promise she may make, she will keep as long as the tasks she sets out are completed. So let's get into some of the stories. We'll start with the most famous, Vasilisa the Beautiful. Uh, This is the version of Cinderella in Russian folklore. folklore. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grace talked about Cinderella uh, in episode 107, a Cinderbella story. Um, Vasilisa is a Cinderella-type character whose mother died and father married, like remarried a horrible woman Mm -hmm. uh, with equally unkind daughters. Uh, when Vasilisa's father goes away for a trip, the new stepmother sells their house and moves her and the three girls to a cottage in the woods, giving Vasilisa impossible tasks to complete by candlelight with the intention of killing her. So, like, if you don't complete these tasks, I'm going to kill you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One day, Vasilisa ventures out of the house at the demand of her stepsisters to find more light, and she encounters Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga enslaves her. 
and orders her to do numerous difficult chores such as separating grains of rice from wheat kernels before dawn in exchange for a fire to take back to her household. When Vasilisa succeeds, she's granted one of the skull lanterns that rings Baba Yaga's house, uh, and then she takes the, the lantern home, and upon returning home, the lantern immediately engulfs her horrible family in flames, freeing her from their tyranny. Eventually, beautiful Vasilisa ends up marrying the Tsar. Okay. So, Baba Yaga here acts as a trickster, a villain, mm-hmm. and a savior, ultimately helping Vasilisa to rid her, like, of her stepfamily, right? And then, but also it was, like, a shockingly violent way to get rid of the stepfamily, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, she's very much unlike a traditional fairy godmother, but she takes that role of the fairy godmother, right? Which yeah. is interesting. Um, and also feels uniquely Russian mm-hmm. or like Slavic. It doesn't necessarily feel like French, for instance. Yeah. Although, well, I mean, a lot of the Cinderella stories back in the day were like did have very violent elements like that. There's right. another one where Cinderella also like burned the house down. Right. Um, and we're going to talk. I have, I have a point to that point in just mm-hmm. a second. I'm going to talk about the next story, which is the death of Koshi the Deathless, or also known as Maria Maryevna. This is like such a cool story. Um, anyway, so this is one of the most famous Russian fairy tales, and it involves a character, Koshi the Deathless, which is essentially a, like a really scary soldier who cannot die. Okay. Um, and usually it's because he has hidden his soul inside like a russian doll style thing and once you find it you can use it and kill it mm-hmm. but until you find it he's you can't kill him um so uh he usually hides it in increasingly large animals for example it might be an egg inside a duck inside a rabbit inside a goat inside a horse etc um so in this story a prince named ivan fa- falls in love with with a warrior princess named maria Marevna, uh, and then he accidentally frees Koshi, the deathless, who Maria has hidden in her basement. Okay. Uh, And so Koshi subsequently kidnaps Maria, and Ivan sets out to pursue them. It doesn't go well. Ivan catches Koshi, but Koshi kills Ivan and throws his body into the sea. Fortunately, Ivan's brother-in-law is a powerful wizard uh, and brings him back to life. They tell him that the only way to defeat Koshi is with a horse from Baba Yaga. Baba Yaga breeds mares so fast that they can circle the world in a day, making him he would be fast enough to catch Koshi again. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is like a translated quote from the story of, like, Ivan has gone through hell to find Baba Yaga's hut, okay? And so I'm going to read you about their first interaction. Quote, Hungry and faint, he wandered on, walked farther and farther, and at last came to where stood the house of the Baba Yaga. Round the house were set 12 poles in a circle, and on each of 11 of these poles was stuck a human head. The twelfth alone remained unoccupied. Hail, Granny! That's what Ivan says. And then Baba Mm -hmm. Yaga replies, Hail, Prince Ivan, wherefore have you come? Is it of your own accord or on compulsion? And then Ivan says, I have come to earn from you a heroic steed. Baba Yaga replies, So be it, Prince. You won't have to serve a year with me, but just three days. If you take good care of my mares, I'll give you a heroic steed. But if you don't, why, then you mustn't be annoyed at finding your head stuck on the top of the last pole there. So that's like a common theme is like she has 11 skulls and there's mm-hmm. always one pole empty and she uses it to threaten the people. Like, you better do the thing that you said you're going to do or else I'll put your head right there, which yeah. I think is just badass. 
long story short, Ivan passes passes the quest from mm-hmm. Baba Yaga, gets the horse, and kills Koshi the Deathless. Um, and he like returns home with his wife Maria Marevna. Um, but in that tale, it's Baba Yaga's aid that allows him to be able to defeat Koshi the Deathless. But here's mm-hmm. the thing: he every day that he helped her with her mares, she was pissed. She was like, "Fuck you! You did it right. I want to kill you, but I guess I'll have to let you keep." trying and he eventually passes and she's like damn it i didn't want to give you one of my mares but i guess i have to which is just she's such an interesting character yeah um so you're probably seeing a pattern baba yaga seems to be without morals but ultimately does help those who come to her for help Mm -hmm. there's a folklorist joanna hubs that argues that baba yaga's moral ambiguity is directly connected to her femininity and her femininity to the natural world uh, there's a book called Baba Yaga, The Ambiguous Mother and Witch of the Russian Folklore. Uh, author Andreas Johns quotes Hubs, saying, quote, Hubs discusses Baba Yaga as an aspect of a great mother goddess whose dual nature as a gentrix and cannibal witch reflects a, quote, fundamental paradox of nature. In some ways, she's an earth mother figure. In others, she's closely associated with death. So in the previously discussed fairy tales, we see this duality. In Vasilisa, we see Baba Yaga as the Earth Mother. She commands the three riders of day, sun, and night. We see her as a mother aiding Vasilisa in her own way. And we also see her as death, killing the evil stepmother with fire. In Maria Marevna, Baba Yaga is a rearer of great steeds and is the reason the villain Koshi the Deathless finally dies. There's another tale called Prince Danila Govarilla, where a princess named Katerina befriend Baba Yaga's daughter. Um, uh, the two eventually escape from Baba Yaga because they've been kept there, like enslaved by her. Um, and then uh, Baba Yaga flees and chases after them. Okay. And so as they flee, Katerina and Baba Yaga's daughter toss behind them a comb, a brush, and a hand towel in an attempt to slow Baba Yaga down. The comb transforms into a mountain range, the brush into a dense forest, and the towel into a vast lake. In this story, Baba Yaga's chase becomes an act of creation. She becomes Mother Earth. By attempting to devour her human prey, Baba Yaga engenders the creation of a new world for them, which is interesting. So going back to the author, Andreas Johns, he says Baba Yaga's complexity and contradictions make her a unique figure among folklore figures. Quote, most folktale characters in European tradition behave in a predictably unambiguous way in relation to the hero or the heroine. They either help or hinder. Two very important tale roles are those of the villain who harms or seeks to harm the protagonist and the donor who is helpful and gives the hero or heroine a magic agent. Baba Yaga, confoundingly, takes on both roles, sometimes within the same story. Um, So fairy tales usually fight against paradox in form and content. So there's good characters and there's bad characters. Mm -hmm. I feel like in all the other Cinderella stories, like, yes, even though they were violent... Like, the fairy godmother is good. Cinderella is good. The stepmother and the stepsisters are evil. You know, they're not Mm -hmm. both, which is really interesting. Um, So it's rare to see such, like, a mercurial character uh, that doesn't lend herself to moral lessons within a folklore tale. Like, you can't look at Baba Yaga and be like, she's good. You should behave Mm -hmm. like her. But you also don't want to say she's necessarily bad because a lot of the reason why... Exactly. All the heroes in these stories were able to, like complete their quest and their journey is because Baba Yaga helped them in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So yeah, I'm not sure how to translate Baba Yaga into other 
mythologies or folklores. Like, I'm not sure if there are other folklore or traditions or fairy tales from other cultures that have this Baba Yaga figure. I don't think Mm -hmm. in the Western culture we really have this. I'd be curious that if there are people out there that have this kind of character in their cultural, you know, folklore arsenal, please let us know because I just think it's really interesting. And it does feel extremely Russian or Slavic in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Nevertheless, she is a very popular character among um, people who like folklore and also feminists and witches, which is kind Mm -hmm. of cool. Um, And I'm going to end on this one little section here that I think you'll find interesting. Um, Between the year 2013 and 2015, there is a woman, Tasia Kataskaya, who wrote uh, the, quote, Ask Baba Yaga column on Hairpin. Uh, Kitaskeya uh, later collected all of these pieces into a book called Ask Baba Yaga, Otherworldly Advice for Everyday Troubles. Uh, <laughs> and essentially, these are uh, these pieces featured real questions from, like, real strangers about love, belonging, purpose, and then Baba Yaga answered um, in, like, a poetic style, right? Yeah. Uh, the author says, quote, That image of an old woman living in the woods doing whatever she wants all day long continues to be my dream for myself, end quote. (laughs) In 2020, Kataskia reintroduced the Ask Baba Yaga column on LitHub, and this is what she wrote about the endeavor. From time to time, humans come to Baba Yaga's hut seeking shelter, a special object or person, or advice. They find her when they've been cast out and abandoned when all is lost. At this juncture, Baba Yaga can be villainous and hungry, even trying to push the person into her oven for a snack. Or she she can be a tricksy and demanding, putting the poor soul to work. Or she can be a guardian, giving over all the answers and an enchanted object to boot. Often she's all of these things in one tale, which is part of what I love about her. No one knows what she'll do next. Born in Eastern Russia, I spent the first five years of my life in the woods of Lake Baikal, and Baba Yaga lived there too. I felt her among the mushrooms and berries and animals. I imagined her sitting in the dark of her hut, knitting something wily and strange. Around her head, she wore a kerchief like any Russian grandmother, and she did feel like a grandmother to me. Formidable and unpredictable, sure, but ultimately nurturing and wise. I trusted her to know all that there was to know. I admired her wild life in the woods. I wanted her near me always, setting an example, looking out. While Baba Yaga can't replace a therapist or a friend, she offers a different kind of perspective, an ancient outsider to our human affairs, a forest witch who speaks in the language of trees and ponds and fairy tales, an immortal witness to our folly and suffering. Which I thought was really interesting. I Um, love that. Me too. I'm going to end by reading one question to Baba Yaga and Baba Yaga's answer from this column, which I think Mm -hmm. is fun. And then if you're interested, you could Google more from this column. So here is the question. Dear Baba Yaga, I'm a 38-year-old woman who wants to date men, but I've always been terrified of them and never been in a relationship. My fear has only grown with hashtag me too, and sometimes I feel it's truly impossible to find a good-hearted male feminist, someone who would see me as an equal, pure and simple. I've already kind of given up and found happiness in my work and social life. Is this single-for-life existence the future for women? And so this is what Baba Yaga has to say. Let's hear it. Okay. All my living, I have been an old woman in the woods, alone. I do what I like. I muddy and sweep my hut, carry myself into the sky and listen to what it says. 
I gather mushrooms, terrorize foxes and mens with my fiendly claws and gait, laugh a long time into a bucket until it laughs back with a spit, breathe as a stone at the bottom of a creek, and many other things I do not say. But none of it is done from fearing. Poke at the fear as into the dying fire in your hearth. Which way do the sparks go? How does the fire hiss? If you choose my life, know you are choosing it, not hiding in the woods. End quote. I love that. Which I loved so much. Um, And so, yeah, Baba Yaga is interesting and evil and amazing and living alone in her woods and you're coming to ask her for a steed and she's going to be kind of pissy about it. So leave her alone, you know? (laughs) That's fair. Leave the poor woman alone. She's like, why do people keep asking me for stuff? I guess because she's very powerful. Yeah. Um, Um, New tattoo idea? She's not very aesthetically well you could get the the hut her house on chicken legs that's really cool isn't it yeah um i can't wait to show some of the photos i found like some russian like paintings and things like that that show baba yaga and her hut and like vasaliza like looking for the hut in the forest and it's Mm -hmm. really cool um i want to say that i got my info from a lot of my info from uh that article, Baba Yaga will answer your questions about life, love, and belongings. We can only we could all use a little more Slavic witch in our lives by Tasia Kataskia <laughs> on Lit Hug. Uh, and then the enduring allure of Baba Yaga, an ancient swamp witch who loves to eat people by Marissa Clifford on Vice. And then also the legend of ba- Baba Yaga explained by Benito Serino on Grunge, and then many other places, but those are the main ones. Um, so yeah, that's that's Baba Yaga. I love her. I love her too. Um, yeah, so we love folklore stuff on this podcast. We talk about it a lot. Especially women. Yes. In folklore, women, Mm -hmm. female characters. So So, I I guess guess that's it. It? We might Mm -hmm. see you next week. We'll keep you on your toes. I think we will. I think we are. Anything can happen. So you never know. No. Um, everyone, hope you have a great week. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow us on Twitter. You can find us at the Good Eve Girls or Instagram at the Good Evening Girls or TikTok at the Good Eve Girls. Come on by, say hello, and most importantly, please keep curious out there. Yes, please do. All right. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.